the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode... Was it three hundred and fifty nine? I think I'm, <laughs> is, just, I'm just looking at the number. That's ridiculous. The number on my screen. Um, trying to trying to keep up with these numbers. How many, how many it only years? increments by one a week, Nate. How but, many years um, does that struggle? How many years is that? Is that six years? Five years? It's quite a while. Oh, it's a, we've ridiculous. Been going for at least a couple of weeks. Couple of weeks. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, all right. Well. Welcome along to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining me, Paul Spain, and our guest this week. Sorry, I just realised I completely threw off your intro. Nate Dunn. Welcome along, Nate. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> always, good, always good to have you here. And um, Thanks for having me. It's nice to mix up the intro every now and then. Yeah, I'll throw you off again. Uh, so, lots going on in the tech world over the last few days. And before we get into all of the things from Apple, BNZ with Apple Pay stuff going on in New Zealand Wi-Fi, um, Google delivering uh, internet to Puerto Rico, um, oh, Pixel Buds and Google Pixel XLs, Fitbits, uh, Dyson's latest and whatnot. Um, I realize I just realised that we left off a topic last week. Oh. We did. We were supposed to be talking about, um, and I'm dropping you in this as well because I didn't mention it previously. Cool. <laughs> um, Elon, Elon Musk, um, as he seems to sort of come up most most weeks that he's said something or done something or something's going on, but he was in Australia last week, uh, which most of the news reports didn't actually sort of highlight that he was in Australia. Um, but he was there, and he revealed a bit of his um, vision for the future of uh, space travel, and not just space travel, but travel from city to city mm. on this little planet of ours, this favourite little planet that we like to hang out on. Um, and so he, w- he was talking about this idea um, of of his new uh, rocket that effectively and um, use BFR is uh, is what it's codenamed or big effing rocket um, to keep the uh, the language tidy. Um, but the idea is this this new uh, rocket that he announced um, or that he shared some details at this event in, in Adelaide um, a few days ago is supposedly able to take about 100 people to Mars once it's, um, once it's in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Elon also, and I think he's probably got his figures a little bit out here, just knowing from the way Elon works and, you know, uh, figures and, and um, sometimes timeframes can be a, a little bit off. But he was suggesting that his new mode of travel, which would basically be you pile into one of these rockets – Shoots you up to space and then comes down wherever you want to uh, wherever you want to be. Um, would be similarly priced. Well, this is what I read, and it, I didn't watch the whole. Was um, it a domestic class the whole flight or something? Key- keynote, but um, a um, economy class um, flight. Oh, so sorry, let's say class. you wanted to get from Auckland to LA. Mm. Um, well, I mean, economy flights from Auckland to LA sort of vary between probably a thousand, uh, five hundred, and fifteen hundred each way, depending on you know specials. Maybe he's talking about full economy. Fair, flexi fares and other bits and pieces. Who knows? Uh, but he was suggesting that the cost might, be, well, would be uh, would be similar to that. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some commentary afterwards saying that that's you know that's very unlikely to be uh, to be practical. Uh, but even so, getting from here to Los Angeles in what half hour? I think was the sort of was forty five minutes or something. Was, yeah. the, was the time suggested anywhere on Earth in under an hour? So you get to London in under an hour. Oh, gold. Um, so for those long haul flights that are a nightmare, and a lot of people pay a premium on those long haul flights, especially if they're travelling a lot, to get a life flat bed so you can get out at the other end and be you know rested and not like oh been on a plane for you know a day or two by the time you add together all your little flights that that you know help you get to your destination. This would I mean it'd just be a complete game changer, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, because the what's the flight? I my wife and I flew to London, and I think. 
we did a we end up only having half an hour in Hong Kong because of a, a, a plane issue. And so we got out really quickly and then jumped back into a 12-hour flight. And we did it the quickest that we could. And I think the total time was 30 hours. I might be wrong. but it, that, That's however, probably about right. It's not, it's not uncommon, um, you know, certainly from the time you leave home to the time you get to your destination in Europe mm. for it to be – you know, a day, a day and a half, you know, if you've, say, flown yeah. into London, then you've gone off to another airport, Amsterdam or whatever, and then, you know, you get to your accommodation, and it's like, oh, that's been 36 hours. I think it was um, it was well over 24 hours, my uh, my trip back from Florida um, the other day, you know, week, week, and a, week and a half ago. Why was it so long to get back from Florida? Um, Did you go out of Houston? Because the flight availabilities... When I booked through, when it was booked through Air New Zealand, uh, going up, I was able to fly Houston and then Houston, Houston to Orlando. Coming back was Orlando to Houston, a few hours in Houston, then uh, Houston to San Francisco, oh, no. a few hours in San Francisco, and then the next flight. Um, I mean, I don't mind those things too much, particularly if I can use the time. So San Francisco actually had enough time to, um, you know, squeeze in a meeting and so nice. on. So, um, so that was good. But yeah, it's not it's not always what you want. And um, the idea of being able to, yeah, have done a similar sort of trip in under an hour would be pretty pretty cool. Actually, yeah, I, I think originally when I was, uh, I think New Zealand had something on display, and they talked about. The original, well, for the first time that you could fly to, um, fly to London, it took like nine days because you had to, you'd like fly to Australia and then it'd have to refuel and then you, you just lots of little, lots of little flights across. So I wonder if that, because, and the, the whole idea of taking nine days to get to London is just ludicrous. So I wonder if we fast forward to what Elon Musk is talking about, whereas there, that becomes so commonplace that 30 hours to London becomes ludicrous. It is an, a very exciting, I think, um, prospect that you could get there in under an hour i'm not sure we're going to see it within the next 10 years but i yeah i would certainly be more than happy if there's an hour flight to london in 10 years time uh that's in any way comparable to um you know current economy class fares um i mean even even a business class fare i would be uh i'd be fronting up with that to be one of the first to uh to jump on a rocket i think um, it's pretty cool. Now, this, the, so the um, the thing here is they're, they're talking about um, – well, he was talking about being able to send the first two cargo ships or rockets um, to Mars by 2022 and then uh, crew, crewed rockets uh, maybe about two years later maybe. than that. So it's pretty out there stuff, I've got to say. Um, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So the um, now the interplanetary version of the uh, uh, the rocket, forty eight meters long, mm-hmm. forty cabins, and each cabin capable of carrying three people. Boom! One hundred and twenty people fired off to Mars. Where you go? We haven't even kind of got too much happening with the moon yet, and um, now it's now it's all go for Mars. Um, quite like the speed, twenty seven thousand kilometres an hour. It's, okay. uh, it's a good pace, although it still take uh, quite a long time to get to Mars. Um, did they outline how long it would be? There, uh, they probably did. Um, <laughs> Sorry to throw you in the middle, but I'm for your I, next trivia I, question. I, I can't recall. That's okay. Yeah, it would. It's not going to be an hour anyway. So there you go. Um, now, all, I guess also since since we're mentioning um, Elon, there's also talk of um, Tesla providing uh, new power options for Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico, who are still having um, you know dramas, power, and everything after. Uh, I think this is where what could cup cup must have been at least a couple of weeks now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's one of the cool things about Twitter the fact that. Um, what was the other? What was the place in Australia that he did that? Where he said, um, oh, "It was South Australia." Where he said, "Look, um, if I can get from the signing of the contract, which he was very clever about, because legal stuff always takes forever. Um, from the signing of the contract, if I'm not able to get the South Australian power 
grid up to standard using the Tesla power banks. Within, within 100, 100 days. 100 days or 103 yeah. days or whatever it was. It's, it's free. It's like, that is ridiculous. And then I saw some tweets back and forth between the, I won't say, it wasn't the Puerto Rican mayor, it was someone else, one of the politicians, because Elon Musk is pretty much the same thing to Puerto Rico. And then the, the discussion sort of kicked off. And who would have thought that you'd see this quite big deal and, and, and it's going to improve the lives of all the people that are in that disaster, a lot of the people in that disaster through Twitter. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Well, Twitter's just the communication. Well, but well, yeah, the it, fact it, that does, we're, it they, makes it very easy, though, I yeah. guess, for them just to connect like that. Yeah. And then we're all watching from the sidelines, watching yeah, something yeah, that... Publicly. Yeah. I, yeah, just, yeah. What a world we live in, eh? It is a fascinating one. Um, okay, so... That's probably that's enough uh, Elon time for this episode. Oh, there's never um, there's never too much Elon time. <laughs> Such a fan. <laughs> um, Apple Pay coming to those with BNZ uh, credit cards. Yep. I think this month. So I jumped across from ANZ because ANZ were the only first ones to, or only ones to launch. First ones to launch. Um, was it right that BNZ were the first ones to launch Android, being able to pay? Because I know there was Symbol, which was like a. a We've had lots of near-field communication options, and you've yeah. got, you know, on Android, you've got some of the uh, banking apps that you do payments through through them. Um, yeah, I can't remember who was actually the first on um, with Android Pay. Now, I don't think we've got Samsung Pay yet, have we? That hasn't actually no. landed. Um, one thing, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, while I was in the states, a friend of mine with his new S eight, S eight is no date. One or the other. Might have been the note eight. Anyway, while I was there, um, he showed me using it not for an NFC payment. Mm. Do you know how he used it? I have no idea. So, you know, you've got the magnetic stripe reader? Yes. Yep. Well, Samsung have a technology. Uh He put his phone above or... On the on the reader, yeah, where you would normally swipe your card, he put it next to that, and it emulated swiping the card. What? So this ter- this particular payment terminal did not support like tap to pay and so on. Yeah, so it had the card reader where you slide your card through. Yeah, Samsung is able to emulate that. that so he had his card loaded into the oh, phone. That's cool. And then it's as though he, you slide it through. I was like, what? Is this really happening? And I think he was the same because he hadn't tried it before and we talked about it. I was like, try it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's so mental. I'm not, I haven't looked into the science or whether I got completely duped, but I had read something about that before. And so I think that actually did happen. Um, Even if you but, got duped, you know, it was a pretty good trick. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty Sometimes good trick. the first time you see something, it's like, what? Oh, that's How really that cool. Work? Yeah. Um, it's pretty trippy if it can if it can somehow emulate the magnetic strip going through the the reader just and without even physically passing a magnetic strip through. Yeah. Um, what? Um, what would you call that? Um, Magic. Tomfoolery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Samsung magnetic stripe payment emulation. Yeah, it's coming up in all my results. So I wasn't sort of. Dreaming or too tired or something. No, it's, yeah. It does actually exist. Magnetic secure transmission is what it's called. MST. So there you go. Uh, but And it's, and it's um, yeah, I think it was announced back in uh, early 2015, but we don't have it here yet. Come on, Samsung. Sorry there. Uh, yeah. So... Have you got a BNZ card? Will you be? I do. I actually. I mean, you don't have any um, any Apple Watch or phone, so it's not a huge interest no, to you. And my phone's also rooted, and those particular apps don't like rooted phones. That's true. So, um, but the thing for me, was, I think we really. The thing for me is that, that we need to move to some sort of version of digital identification, like a digital driver's license or a digital passport, like. I'm going to say Estonia. I think it's Estonia. But one of those countries up there has rolled out a completely uh, digital form of identification, which is accepted by all the government agencies and all that sort of thing, which I think is incredible. 
So I think until we get to that stage, because I still have to carry a wallet because I still need to carry my driver's license. And if I've got my driver's license, I might as well carry, I carry two or three cards and some business cards. So for me, once we've, I think the final piece of that puzzle is trying to have some sort of secure way that you can have identification on your phone that's accepted by police. And Why do you and need it to be your phone? We've got good biometrics now. That okay, technology is so, coming along all right, quite something quickly. embedded into your wrist. Or some, but I, well, the I have biometrics to, are just, just going to look at you and figure out, hey, that's true. Nate. I know Nate. True. I've seen him on Facebook. That must be Nate. I'll deduct the money from his account. Yeah, and Twitter as well. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, because if I have to carry my driver's license, I'm going to carry a card because, yeah. And inevitably, you think, oh, it'd be really good to just use PayWave. Or, you know, when, so I my primary bank is ASB and they came out with a little um, tag that you could stick on the back of your phone or whatever. That's right. But yeah. inevitably, you know, you walk into a dairy or somewhere thinking, oh, I'd love a great bottle of whatever. And then you get up and it says no pay away if you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> and that's why I thought the Samsung thing stood out because here in New Zealand, where we, you know, so much FPOS and so on, I mean, if it could tie in with the FPOS system, then they, then they would be, they would be onto, uh, onto something. Um, just having a quick look. So it's BNZ uh, Visa cards that work on Android pay in New Zealand so BNZ obviously stepping across to um, Apple Pay as well and you can see why they would do that because you know iPhones being reasonably expensive devices generally there's not really any budget super budget versions um, that's probably a pretty audience pretty good audience to be uh, to be hitting even though it must be a pretty small percentage of transactions. I mean, just from, I don't know about you, whether you use, um, uh, uh, yeah, well, for me, um, my Apple Pay is a small percentage of my transactions. And I I would imagine that's probably pretty common across the board. Yeah, I I don't have anything. Unless unless people, yeah, why, why, mm, yeah, because we use FPOS so much here, right? Yeah, and there are so many places that don't take credit cards. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, um, I, yeah, I don't have any any way to digitally pay on any of my devices, and I just carry again because I've have to because I have to carry my driver's license because it comes in handy, especially you know the one time you think oh, I'll just leave it in the car is the time that you go to Wellington for a trip and you get we need to get a rental car and you go oh whoops I've left my driver's license in the car yeah. in Auckland. So I, the fact I have to carry my driver's license means that. I, it would probably take me a while to swap over to something on a digital device. Plus, I really like having rooted access on my Android. The the wearable which also locks me down. The wearable thing I think is is nice. Mm. And I, yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm wearing the uh, Fitbit Ionic. Now that is supposed to be able to do um, payments. Mm-hmm. But I'm not actually sure that we've got any confirmation um, just yet for New Zealand. So I know ANZ Bank uh, came on board, but I think that is just in Australia so far. So where they also have um, Samsung Pay. Um yeah, so it'll, it's going to just be interesting to see what happens as far as uh, um, New Zealand's con- concerned from uh, from that perspective. Mm. But it's certainly um, the Apple Watch; it's good, and you know, so having more of those sort of options uh, spring up from a payment perspective on uh, on watches, I think is good. Although I would like there to be a sort of SIM card version of the Apple Watch in New Zealand, which, of course, you can get from Samsung. You can get one with an embedded SIM. In oh, fact, cool. it was two or three years ago when they first uh, they first launched one, which um, uh, had a SIM card, and now they use an, e, an eSIM. Um, cool. Yeah. Not perfect yet, though, because our telcos don't let you have the one number across multiple uh, devices just yet. Right. Now let's jump into our other... Um, other topics in New Zealand Wi-Fi uh, there's been a bit of coverage on this over the last um, last day or so we were actually hoping to have one of the chaps from um, in New Zealand on the show to get a few more insights into what's happening with uh, with their Wi-Fi um, but the basic what what we know is that 
they have brought, uh, they've had one, at least one plane now that's been refurbished with the new Wi-Fi tech in it. They're giving it some um, uh, a trial at the moment, and they're basically gathering feedback around performance, what sort of pricing is gonna is going to, you know, people going to be comfortable with, and so on. Uh, and then they're going to be rolling it out. Um, in in the next uh, over the next few months, um, they're talking also about having uh, domestic as well as uh, international. Mm-hmm. Now, stuff ran a little uh, a little piece, and they were they had a reference to sort of the older uh, Wi-Fi connections that we saw in uh, in some planes. You still see in some of the US. Um, Planes, I think, um, I think some of those still maybe use this the slower um, band of Wi-Fi. Maybe they've they've all sped up. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of Wi-Fi on in in flight in the US. In fact, I don't think I did any on this uh, this last trip. Whereas it used to be, oh, I've got this time to kill. I'm going to um, uh, you know use the internet. Whereas these days I'm yeah a bit more likely to read a book and uh, you know slow down a bit while while on a flight. Um, but there's one particular thing that uh, stuff quoted uh, referenced the the this uh, you know, type of uh, satellite internet and saying um, it allows for industry leading speeds of 100 megabits per second per plane or 30 megabits per second per seat. How's that math for that you? That math doesn't really work. There's a lot more than three point whatever people per plane, so. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I looked at that and I thought, well, yeah, that doesn't add up. But uh, they're probably sort of talking maybe a, a peak speed or something. Most people aren't going to be using 30 megabits. No. So if you had a whole lot of people sort of streaming Netflix, maybe you're going to get into trouble. And I've heard of some scenarios maybe where they're even having some form of a cache on the plane. Um, so I don't I don't know too much about that. Um Mr. Steve Biddle mentioned uh, mentioned that uh, to me yesterday. So there's there's a bit that we don't know yet, and uh, hopefully it works out for um, uh, for us to have our guest from Air New Zealand on. Um, he pinged me yesterday to say he was on a flight out um, overseas last night, so wasn't able to make it on today. Um, but yeah, it'd be great to uh, great to sort of hear from the horse's mouth a little bit more about that. So we'll try and set that up for. Uh, for a for a future episode, if there's going to be a few extra insights we can learn. Um, now, talking about connectivity, uh, there's there's a, a couple of bits of um, bits of but bits of news out there. One was these Google loons um, that they've got uh, permission to roll those out for uh, float some of those in the air in um, um, Puerto Rico, I think. Uh, they're about twenty kilometres up, I think that they oh. that they sit, um, but they can carry a um, uh, you know a mobile network signal, so it's not Wi-Fi. It's sort mm-hmm. of I think they're probably four G uh, LTE, so quite a quite a distance. But they talk to each other, and you just have to you know they have to be able to get a signal up to um, up to them. And then once once they've got that, they can sort of spread the signal around and then uh, retransmit and um, um, and cover a lot of ground area. So I thought that was uh, that was kind of cool if they can use that technology as part of um, you know emergency disaster relief type situations and and uh, you know situations like Puerto Rico where power's been knocked out on the ground, uh, connectivity on the ground's been knocked out. So um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a shambles. At least gives people some connectivity and coverage. Yeah, while they, while all the infrastructure gets back up again because yeah, you're sort of paralysed completely if you've got no power and no way to communicate with anyone or the outside world. Mm. Um, and the other thing I read about in the last few days is um, a company in in the US and Arizona um, called Worldview, who have been testing out what also looks sort of a little bit like um, Google loons, big big balloons, mm-hmm. and tr- they're uh, it sounds like they're doing something uh, with certainly some similarities to uh, to what Google are doing high high altitude um, balloons. And yeah, the the article that uh, the Verge ran was uh, talking about the mimicking um, sat- satellites. 
So obviously, um, yeah, a fair bit cheaper currently to put a balloon up in the air than to uh, um, get uh, a satellite up. Although we know that uh, Rocket Lab and um, and others are certainly bringing down some of those uh, some of those costs. Mm. Now, what do you think artificial intelligence has got to do with Anne Frank? I, I remember reading about this, and I thought. Uh, what an incredible application of technology. And then my second thought was, actually, um, who's paying for this? Um, yeah, so they were talking about being able to go through just screeds and screeds and screeds of information to try and work out. Um, obviously, anyone who missed that part of their schooling, Anne Frank was a, a young girl that uh, with her family hit up in the, was it the attic or a, a sort of a fake wall of, of a premises? And she was up there yeah, two an apartment. years, I think. Might have been wrong. Yeah. And, and then eventually they got found out and um, sent off. And I think she she passed away in actually one of the concentration camps, if my memory. Yeah, in, in the Netherlands. I'm glad this so, is not a history um, test. Yeah, yeah. So someone someone betrayed them and uh, they got captured by the, the Nazis. Nazis that managed to get through most of the war. Yep. And, um, yeah. And she wrote a diary, and that's why she's so well known, is that the diary of Anne Frank is the... The, the thoughts and ideas and stuff that she'd written down as they were hiding in this loft or wherever they were hiding. Um, and so, yeah, they're talking about using AI to, to go through screeds and screeds and screeds of information to try and work out who betrayed them, if they can work it out. Yeah. On yeah. A cool well, the, application the, of the tech. They, they, it sounds as though they've already got new connections and new information just mm. by firing lots of data about it. And look, this is really interesting to look at sort of historical things and see if we can learn new facts that we haven't figured out in the past. But, of course, this type of technology, whoever, you know, does this, if they can pull something off that hasn't been done before, are going to get huge notoriety and it'll be very easy for them to sell their technology for more current uses, right? Yeah, yeah. And you've got to imagine that going forward, crime solving with AI applied to it is probably going to be a whole lot quicker and smarter than our still somewhat old school approaches to to solving crime. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then you could get into all sorts of discussions about predicting where crimes can happen and all of those sorts of uh, sorts of things, which all you know, already we you know, we have um, you know, a chunk of that, that technology yeah. um, today. So And to answer the question, I just read the bottom of the article because I obviously only read the first few paragraphs. Um, crowdsourced. So they crowdfunded five million, which I assume is US um, to yeah, to to get the project off the ground. Mm. Pretty cool. Now last week Google had an announcement or two or three, or four, I've lost count actually, uh, but where the most interest seems to be is Google with their own handsets, they are really, uh, I think, taking on Apple because they're building their own handsets, their own really nice high-end premium handsets. If we look back a year ago to when, you know, when they announced the uh, the, the last uh, round or when they, when they you know, first announced the Pixel, um, you know, there was certainly a a feeling from I think it was DxO Mark or um, yeah, someone that um, that looked at the the camera quality and said, hey, they've got the best uh, smartphone cameras on the market. And it seems like they're in a similar position again this year. Really nice, slick phones. Really good from that uh, camera perspective. Yep. Not doing the same as what others are doing with with the um, the dual lens a, a approach for depth and so on, um, but applying AI to deliver really really good um, results and to achieve some similar things that others are doing with um, uh, with multiple lenses um, and the like. So they're yeah they're really doing some cool stuff. Um, the the two pixels also um, deliver uh, Google Lens, which um, allows for uh, object recognition, you mm. know, straight through uh, using the, the the Pixel two handsets uh, and artificial intelligence to uh, to recognise um, what you're seeing and do do good stuff. So um, yeah, it's um, 
it's pretty interesting. Because to the history leading up to this particular thing where you're talking about um, Google developing their own, like I've got the Nexus, which was the one that Huawei developed for, and that was the last one. I Nexus think 6P. Yeah, which yep. was the last one that they developed. And then I think before, was it a motor, was it Motorola? There was Ooh. some, there was another, because they sort of paired with, every year they paired with a different manufacturer to develop in essence, a Google phone. That's which right. Was there was an LG. Was it was, was LG was, was in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is sort of the, the they've moved away from out in essence outsourcing the development of their handsets and said, "Oh well, we think we can probably do a better job by doing it in house." And and they've just bought out, uh, just announced you know recent weeks as well, uh, the acquisition of most of well, basically of HTC's sort of. Yeah, mm-hmm. core assets around um, uh, smartphones. Yeah, yeah. So you know all their their expertise, which I don't know what it was, it's sort of you know a couple of thousand people and so on. You know, over a billion dollar investment. So they are really, really committed to making their own phones. And this will be curious in terms of well, what's what's the uh, you know roll on sort of impact versus Apple. Hmm. Which, you know, I think over time, yeah, this will have something of an impact on Apple. The more uh, people have confidence in what Google are doing, uh, particularly at that high end, you know, it's hard work. You know, I think in a lot of cases for the, um, uh, you know, to convince people to change from one ecosystem to another. But oh, yeah, totally. if Google keep coming out with uh, things that stand out to people and are, are cutting edge, then people are going to jump across and and um uh, I don't know about in droves but you know certainly they'll be uh, they'll be they'll be pulling more people across that way so they're really keen to uh to compete on that front and then there's the aspect of what about people buying other android devices and last week we looked at the uh, uh the new nokias uh, mm-hmm. that were announced with their you know full metal um, you know, machined cases, really, really solid, uh, and the fact that those are, um, you know, they're 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 running a, a stock Android. They get the security updates through very quickly. Um, so maybe Google is sort of going to leave that lower end space to others like uh, Nokia, uh, but they might decide to sort of try and own that that high end that space. Premium one, um, I guess. In a, 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 you could relate it a little bit to what Microsoft do with their Surface um, products. Mm. That deliver a real, you know, high end premium uh, product, uh, but you know it leaves plenty of room in the market for lots of other players as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it looks uh, looks very nice. Um, a rather is it going to be expensive? Was what I was we were talking about before we started. Yeah. What do you, what well, we don't of- have an official New Zealand price, and and we probably won't actually see a. Um, an official sort of New Zealand price because they may not actually get uh, um, get launched here. But in terms of yeah, the Pixel Two six forty nine US is its launch price, mm. and eight forty nine uh, for the Pixel Two X XL. Um, yeah, um, IP sixty seven rated, so there's a level of kind of waterproof and, and dustproof. Um, but not to the same extent as what we've seen from Samsung and um, yep. and Apple. Now, at, was sorry, there anything Paul, at, else that at, sort of yeah? at nine four nine? Sorry, did is that Australian? Were, were you getting the nine four nine? I was just reading the uh, six four nine and it can get expensive nine four nine for hundred twenty eight gig Pixel two. Oh XL. yes, yeah, because yeah. yeah, you go for more storage. So the most expensive one. In Kiwi dollars is about thirteen hundred, but then you'd have to add just so maybe GST and so on. Probably 15, 1500 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Do you think people would be happy dropping? Because what are we talking about? That? What's well, the people Apple? spend that sort of money on an Apple or a Samsung? Yeah, and the the uh, the iPhone ten, you know, it's going to start here at uh, what was it eighteen hundred? I think in New Zealand is a the starting price. So yeah, it's getting I, up there. Um, people will 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 definitely uh, will definitely be buying. Um, We'll definitely be buying these things. Yep. Um, now, there are other things. There's uh, a new, uh, was it the Home uh, Home Mini um, from, from Google? 
and but pro- probably more uh, more interest, which is a which is a much um, smaller sort of um, uh, smart. Uh, what do you call it? A, a smart uh, speaker type um, type device than the current uh, Google Home. Um, but the thing that I'm a little bit more interested in is the new um, earbuds, Pixel Buds. Mm. Did you read about these? Yeah, the translate thing. I thought it was incredible. Yeah, the, sort the of fact that Babelfish can... uh, approach. You shove these things in your ears, and um, yeah. you can talk to people that speak different languages, and it just you know handles it. That's incredible. But they, they're not as good looking as the wireless Apple headphones or whatever, earbuds or whatever they're called. Um, but the fact that they can do that functionality is crazy. I like, it'd be good to try you, them you, actually. Yeah, you need to. I think you need to pair them with the uh, Pixel um, Two specifically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I think to be able to keep up with uh, that, yeah, I'm actually kind of curious. I haven't dived into the in depth around how that technology works, but to be able to sort of keep up with that pace, mm. um, yeah, there must be AI going on in the phone rather than it necessarily pushing it all up to the up to the cloud and and back. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure from what I read on um, on that you do need to have them paired to your um your yeah they don't do them yeah they don't do them themselves but still regardless it's it's a cool function or a cool feature it is very very nice um, so yeah lots of um, lots of good innovation going on and you know that there, there were a few, I mean there's just been so much stuff announced or launched in the in the last um, last few days and a uh, couple of weeks it's mm. uh, it's nuts um, I've been trying out uh, since last week the uh, Fitbit Ionic we mentioned it briefly on the show last week it's launched here at $499 we mentioned earlier I don't think the payments up and running here um, but they had a bunch of people get up and and speak at their uh, their launch event and one of them was a, a performance coach that worked with um, some of the yeah a bunch of sports teams that we um, that we know and um, one of the things that hit me as rather curious because I'd never heard this before was this coach referring to how huge the negative impact is of not getting enough sleep Mm. and of course sleep tracking is something that Fitbit have have done for a long time and with the longer battery life you don't take your you know your uh, watch or wearable off to charge it each night because it yeah they tend to last for you know four or five uh, nights without uh, too much of a, of a drama. Um, so you just, you know, take it off for a few minutes for a, for a, for a quick charge. Um, and uh, so that they were talking about this particular aspect and it was, there was a comparison. I don't know if I actually managed to, to get a, a photo of this, the slide, um, but it was comparing impairment from alcohol with the impairment you get from not having enough sleep mm. and you know this may have been tilting a little bit towards the, the the sports person who needs to be super super sharp but they were talking about look if you got uh that you should be getting eight hours sleep a night yep. and then there was a reference to i think getting six hours sleep if you only got six hours that the impairment would be the equivalent of if you'd had two or three uh, alcoholic drinks mm-hmm. and then if you were down at sort of four to five hours sleep um you know it was something like your equivalent of you having had you know six or seven drinks oh wow uh and i've never heard this stuff before but you know when when you think about it you definitely uh you are degraded maybe maybe not in the same way as uh, as having um been drinking but mm. in terms of your productivity and what you can achieve, and yeah, he he was uh, he was really straight up that just you know this sort of thing have a has a huge impact. So what they're doing with the sports teams is they're really tracking their sleep very very closely, mm. and you know then becomes one of their you know considerations for you know who's going to play well on a particular day, and then they you know they measure it over a, over a period of time and and mm. work out what do they need to be doing um, you know better to help their players get sufficient uh, sufficient sleep 
But I was really curious about this. I've never heard this thing. So I jumped online and did a little bit of uh, Googling around how much sleep that you really should get from, um, uh, from, a, from a health perspective. And I've got to say, I was, I was a little bit surprised. Pleasantly surprised? Uh, well, no, I wouldn't say pleasantly. Unpleasantly so, surprised. So here's the recommended amount of sleep. Um, we'll, so we'll start with um, youngsters, three to five years old. They're supposed to get 10 to 13 hours. 13 hours. Wow. Um, six, <laughs> if you're six years old, um, between six years old and 13 years old, you're supposed to get nine to 11 hours sleep. If you're, yeah, six to 13. If you're 14 to 17 years old, you should be getting eight to 10 hours sleep. And adults should be getting seven to nine hours. So, yeah, their recommendation of... Um, of eight, smack bang in the middle of that. Recommended. And, um, yeah, these are the recommended things. So when I've been looking at my Fitbit mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes it tells me that I got five hours sleep, um, then I'm now thinking a lot more seriously <laughs> about, all right, I should um, I should extend that the next so night. So no more late night gaming sessions for you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do you know how much sleep you get? Do you think you're within the within the healthy zone, or is it no. something you should be tracking? Um, so I do actually track mine. I use a and I've used this app for probably two or three years now. I use an app called Sleep Cycle. Oh yes, I know a few people that use that one. And so the idea is you plug it in and then you place it face down uh, next to your pillow, and then it tracks all the movement and then tracks your sleep. And the thing I like about and whether this is scientific or not, but I swear by it. It actually, you set a, I need to wake up by, say, 6.30 in the morning, which is the time I wake up. And so what it'll do is it'll work out when you're in that the lightest pattern of your sleep, and it might wake you up at maybe five past six. Yes. When, you know, so you're not fully groggy. And, yeah, I've used it there for two or three years now, and I swear by it, because in the mornings I don't, I'm not as, you know, groggy when I wake up. Whether it's a psychological thing or it's actually backed by science, I don't know. Works for me. Seems to Your work, mileage yeah. may vary. Now, the other thing is you can get these sleep tracking apps, yeah, as you say, on your phone. Um, I think I've seen one that, you could say that actually sits above the mattress or under the mattress or under your – that you, you actually sleep on. So if you're not, you're not comfortable with having your phone there, you can actually have a like a, a mat or a sensor that you sleep on. I've okay. seen one of those as well. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that the, that the reason that the Apple Watch didn't have this built in hmm. is because the battery life – you know, is such that, you know... It's, you get half the tracking. Well, I mean, actually, the Apple Watch battery life has, you know, has improved over, over time. And, you know, I would say it's, it's probably roughly, you know, twice what it used to be at the at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's that thing that, well, most people would choose to charge them overnight so they build that in. But there are third-party apps that do exactly that on your Apple Watch. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, one, one of the team here mentioned that to me today when we were, we were talking about it. So... Um, so there are lots of those options for apps on your phone and a wearable yep. and so on. Um, but yeah, it has been encouraging me to sleep with, um, with the Fitbit Ionic on so that I get that measuring and it gives you, uh, you know, quite a lot of data around how well you've slept. And, and so I'm assuming that that one does the same thing. The, the app I've got, you can get some really quite nice metrics where it'll tell you, you know, you can see on an average the best days that you get good sleeps and, you know, your worst. So mine tends to be, before the work week is when I get the shortest amount of sleep. Um, you know, a Friday night tends to be when I get the longest amount of sleep. So there's all these really cool metrics you see, you know, as you're, do you sleep a lot longer in these particular weeks or these parts of the year? And yep. there's, once you've got that data, there's some really cool stuff that you can drill down into and see. Yep. That's all stuff that you would nearly really think of, I suppose. Now, a um, couple of other bits of tech. I've been playing around with the um, new GoPro Hero 6 Black Ooh, that uh, just came out last week. Good. Killer, awesome, awesome um, quality. You can do you know 4K video at 60 frames a second, so you can oh. slow that down. Um, you can also shoot in 4K so that you can zoom into to full HD, so you get sort of somewhat similar uh, you know result as a uh, as a, as a zoom lens. Mm. Um, very, very nice piece of tech. In fact, anyone that watches my weekly videos, uh, the one that went up on LinkedIn uh, and on Facebook, the the and there's always usually two angles of me with those weekly uh, videos. 
the color shot that was shot actually right where we're sitting now um using the gopro as uh, as one of the cameras no. and uh, looked really really clean and crisp um so i'm not sort of the extreme sports person that i know gopro used to be targeted at mm. but they're, they're now really making it a much more mainstream um device and they've built their own or they've had their own uh chip developed which has an ai element uh to it and that allows them to basically help people put the footage together and just you know edit it up into something. Mm. Um, so that's um, that that's part of where the technology has landed. We've we've seen some variations on this uh, from other um, other companies in the past, but you, you can imagine someone that goes out and get a you know hour or two hours worth of footage on their GoPro. And then thinking at the end of the day, oh yeah, I'd love to share some highlights. Yeah, I've got uh, stuff on Facebook. And uh, no, I've you know I'm not going to have the energy to go and edit that up. So yeah. where AI can come into play and actually maybe pull those highlights together for you mm. and make a nice, um, a nice bit of footage is really cool. And it's drawing from things like facial expressions and uh, and so on to uh, cool. to come into the play and you know. I guess other other movement and and GPS sensors. Uh, now one uh, one other gadget that we've got. I heard from a company called Dyson. Now never heard of them. I've never heard of. I Dyson. find Dyson are a sort of fascinating company because you know they got known for their uh, vacuum cleaners and you know taking a different approach there, but. It's it's actually really hard for a company to sort of keep innovating and coming up with mm. you know say they might come up with one great product uh, you know especially when it's a physical thing like this but to keep innovating and come up with your really great products across other categories is not I think a very easy thing uh, but I know that um, you know, Dyson have sort of worked really hard to try and connect with with innovators around the world and be, build up a kind of a um, um, an environment within their company that really encourages you know fresh new thinking and coming up with ideas. And most of us have probably seen uh, the what Dyson have been doing with airflow. So whether it's the um, the little you know the round sort of circular type of fans where the the air comes out in a stream, mm. or whether it's uh, you know you go into uh, use a yeah, bathroom at a mall or an airport or something, and they've got their little hand dryers that uh, seem to have just shown up everywhere. They've yes. got a massive market share. And with even these and even the uh, you know when you're doing a product right, when you see lots of ripoff ones where yes. it, they pretty much look similar, but it'll be a brand that you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when they they got in touch with me and said, "Oh, look, we've got this um, uh, new." Um, What's it called? Dyson uh, Pure, hot and cold, which is is you know looks looks like one of their uh, their fans, and um, you know I've had fans around the place at at, uh, at home, and we've had them at work when the air conditioning hasn't been working very well over summer, uh, and they usually look really actually quite you know they don't look that great most uh, most fans so i quite like the idea of the dyson ones um but quite a premium on the price uh, so when they offered to send me one to have a look at i was like yeah probably could have a have a look um what i didn't realize is these are actually they're they're cloud connected so you know you nate probably heard me talking about the ring doorbells before and you sign into an account you can control them from anywhere and you get the alerts on your phone and the video footage and so on well um i i was curious to see how um, you know, how the Dyson work because you connect it up to your Wi-Fi at home, and then you can either use the little um, the little handheld remote that uh, that comes with it, or you can use the uh, use the app, which gives you uh, all manner of stats. Now, um, the most important focus for uh, Dyson with this is around uh, air purification and air quality. Mm. Um, so that is the first thing that comes up uh, in the app when you go in and have a look at the stats and it will actually tell you what your air quality is like and you can have it set up so that it runs continuously so there's always air flowing through it. So you basically get a 24-7 measurement of the air quality in your workplace or in your home mm. and if you've got uh, someone who's got allergies, as we have here in the office, um, 
yeah, I found air quality can make a huge, yeah, you know, huge difference to them. So, um, so it handles that perspective and goes, you know, fil- filters out, uh, cleans the air, and then gives you that graph so you can see how your air quality is. Um, but it's also got the aspect of cooling and heating, which you can run through the app. Um, yeah, you know, I'm just look- looking at the app here. And it gives me, uh, yeah, it gives me temperature, temperature history of the room that the, um, uh, the Dyson, uh, Pure has been sitting in. Also med- uh, measures hu- humidity as well as the, uh, as well as the air quality where you get those, uh, where you get the stats. The controls, yeah. Um, so it's, um, it's very, very, um, very very nice in those regards. Um, quite nice I was expecting well. you'd have to be on the network on Wi-Fi to talk to it, but the yeah. fact that it goes to a cloud service, you can access it from anywhere. So as I found out when I was sitting in Florida and I could see what the temperature was in the lounge at home, and was tempted to turn it up really hot, but you know, I wasn't. I wasn't that. Uh, I wasn't cool. that mean. But um, yeah, so uh, so very. So I think this will be most of interest to people where the air quality is important to them. Somebody in the in the uh, family with allergies and so on. Mm. Uh, because it is a premium priced product, I think it, it's um, around a thousand dollars. Yep. Uh, but it's also the sort of product that you know is going to last you for years and years, and you know you're backed up, I guess, by their um, their sort of service. So it's not the same as buying your uh, uh, you know cheap fan from the the supermarket or something like that that uh, will fall apart and uh, probably end up in in landfill um, sooner rather than later. It's very, very nicely look, looking in it as well. It is. It's 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 very slick and um, yeah, worth worth a look for those that are looking for um, cleaner air, or at least even just to keep a keep a track on yeah, um, with on some smart situation. Well. So I've only just fired it up in the office uh, in the last hour. It's been at home and. Um, um, I managed to tear, tear it away from home uh, this morning because it seemed to be quite uh, quite liked at home. Um, so I haven't got a full readout on the air quality um, at the office, but mm-hmm. I will find out uh, reasonably us. soon and see how uh, how clean um, our place is being kept. So very yeah. cool. Um, that's about it for us this week. Was there anything else uh, you wanted to no, add, Nate? I think that's everything. Cool. Well, thank you for coming in. That's um, right. And thank you to our sponsor, Process Street. If anyone is interested in finding out a little bit about Process Street and how it can um, help them in their day-to-day work or in their organisations to um, to manage, track, automate uh, business processes, then head along to nztechpodcast.com uh, slash Process Street. And by signing up through that link, of course, you get access to um, our uh, exclusive 10% uh, discount as well as some other um, freebies that will be coming through um, in the future as well in terms of some um, some processes and checklists that we will be um, that we will be sharing with those who sign up through our link. Nice. So, yes, that is us. We will be back again next week. Now, Nate, where do people track you down online? Oh, so easy. Just Nate, N-A-T-E on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way. Nice, nice. That's good. Uh, you can track me down, uh, Paul Spain, on uh, LinkedIn, which is where my videos are now going um, on a regular uh, basis, as well as on my um, Facebook page. But certainly feel free to uh, to connect up with me on uh, LinkedIn. And you're also welcome to email me, paul.spain at guerrillatechnology.com. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you again next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.